I don't think I've been in another church where the singing of the congregation feels like the whole praise team. It's such a joy to worship here. It's kind of the difference between um, being an elementary school teacher where the kids don't want to learn what you're trying to teach or you're in a college class where everybody's excited about the topic. It's just such a joy to bring the word in this church because your singing and your praying makes it so evident that you're ready to hear God's word. And thanks for being a college class. Let's ask God to open our hearts to his word this morning. Father, I just thank and praise you for your word and your gracious awareness and tenderness toward us, knowing that we need it. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that now you would use these moments and these words to fortify our faith, that we may live faith-filled lives, trusting you even when the tempter tries to bring us down or tries to get us to doubt you. Help us, Lord, through your word to find strength to follow you and be faithful in all things. So speak to us now. We open ourselves to receive from you your word. In Christ's name, amen. For those who were not here last week, we started last week in the first part of uh, Hebrews 11, and I want to continue that this morning. Um, We'll reread the the first part of that chapter and then read on to verse 19. Last week the title was uh, Knowing, uh, Going But Not Knowing, and um, Moses, um, excuse me, Abraham's faith to step out and go where God called him to go, even though he didn't know where he was going. And uh, that continues this morning. learning to trust God more in everything. Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God and without faith. It is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. 
All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring. that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And then it goes on talking about the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and so many others. And at the end of the chapter, it uh, summarizes all of them and says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It was about five or ten years ago, I don't remember exactly when, but I got an interest in discovering my family history and started working on our family tree. I was even able to get a copy of the uh, manifest, the ship list of uh, the ship my ancestors came over on to Ellis Island and my grandfather was a little boy, about eight years old, family of nine. And I'm thinking about that trip, thinking, when we had four kids, we couldn't hardly take them shopping. <laughs> you know, how do you do that? Cross the ocean in one of those old ships that's not near as fancy as the cruise ship today and, and make it and, and step out. Coming to a, a country, they didn't know anyone and they didn't know the language and they didn't know what to expect, and they were very poor and couldn't buy uh, medicine, perhaps, or whatever they might need. The whole thing was this huge step of faith. No guarantees about what life would be, and it was not an easy voyage to go back to Europe. You're sort of here once you arrive. But by God's grace, they were... It was a strong Christian family, and they totally trusted this is what God had for them and stepped out in faith, believing that it would be a better place somehow in spite of all the risks, in spite of all the challenges and hassles and difficulties. If they moved here, it would be better. And I think this morning as we look at this chapter in in Hebrews, we see a similar kind of thing about trusting God. We're talking about faith. We're talking about trusting God. What does it really mean to have faith? You know, the first verse here kind of gives us a definition. Well, it's really more of a description of faith and a definition. And it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And I'm breaking it down this morning into five areas that help us understand our faith. And the first is that faith is believing it even when I don't see it. The ability by God's grace to be confident that something exists and I don't see it. 
to be certain of what we hope for and do not see. You know, that was the faith, in a sense, of the early pilgrims, the pioneers that came to this land, believing this place would be good. The Bible just tells us that there's going to be for us a certain amount of uncertainty when we're looking for something that's not visible. Just the way God made us, we want to know. We want certainty. We want to be able to trust what we see and not what we don't see. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are called to live by faith and not by sight. Maybe this illustration will help make that uh, clear. I have 50 cents here. Well, I'm going to tell you I have 50 cents here. Here's a quarter. And you have to believe there's a quarter in here. In this hand, this quarter is obvious. You can see it. You know it's there. Do you trust me that there's a second quarter and we have 50 cents? That's the difference between knowledge or seeing and faith. The only way you're going to trust that there's a quarter there is if you know me. And you know I'm not a shyster and trying to, you know, trick you. You know I can be trusted. Isn't that what it is with God? There's some things that he reveals and we can see. We know it's there. And there's some things he says, trust me. You're not going to have knowledge. You're going to have to live by faith. That's, that's the, the difference between the two. And none of us has seen God. None of us knows in this sense there's a God. We know in, in the sense of faith. We believe it because he's trustworthy. And so we're looking ahead to this place we haven't seen. And nobody's been there to take pictures and send back postcards. Nobody has proven to us that it's there. But we look forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. We live by faith. And yet there's this sense of uncertainty in us all, this incompleteness because a lot of what we trust is going to happen, the things we've prayed for and we believe God's going to answer, it's not happened yet. We've prayed that God would do certain things, that God would bring healing, that God would restore a relationship or whatever it might be, and it's not yet been answered. And so we live with a, a certain amount of unfulfillment or brokenness, and all those things can create doubt because the light of our faith can sort of grow dim, which is why we need to be here on a regular basis to fortify our faith and to be strengthened in our faith and to be into the Word and to see God to be faithful. I mean, come on, let's be honest. We all have times where we doubt. There's just a certain part of our nature to reject this whole idea of faith and want to be really scientific about everything. Unless you're unusual, most people prefer to live by sight and not by faith. We all like to know where we're going. We all like to know what's ahead. We all like to know how we're going to land on the other side when we jump across the stream and if the the soft sand over there is going to hold us or not. We want to know where we're headed and how this is going to end up and what the destination is. We want to see the road map. And God says, I'm not going to let you live that way because then you're living by knowledge and you don't have faith. 
God calls us to live by faith and show our love to him by how we trust him. He says, I want to develop in you this capacity for greater faith to believe more what you don't see. You know, if you um, have ever heard of the African impala, it's an animal that um, is an amazing jumper. Not very many zoos in America have one, but if you've ever seen one, it's in the antelope family, and it's only about three feet tall, but this amazing creature can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet across at the little shrimp at three feet. But if you ever see one in a zoo, they usually have them in an open pasture or, or pen, and the, and the uh, wall around them, the concrete wall that holds them in, is only just slightly higher than three feet. And even though this thing could jump that thing, that that fence, that wall easily, it never will. Because an uh, impala will never jump where he doesn't see where his feet are going to land. Isn't that like me and you? I'm not going to jump if I don't know where we're going to land. I just don't like it that the Bible says his word is a lamp unto my feet. I want the light farther up the path so I know where we're going to land when the foot comes down. I don't want to just see the path where I can see how to lift my foot up and take the next step. We want to know what's ahead. But God calls us to live by faith. Because faith is believing it even when I don't see it. Secondly, faith is obeying God even when I don't understand it. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. God called him to take this journey to go to this unknown place. He didn't know which direction he had to go or how long it would take to get there, but just go. What an awkward situation to be in. How do you explain that to your neighbors? How do you explain that to yourself? Wouldn't that make you doubt your own sanity? It would make you doubt your own judgment? You know, even though the situations in our lives aren't quite that dramatic or life-changing, I think a lot of times God works in our lives in ways that require us to have that kind of faith. To trust that if we do the right thing, if we obey, God will bless us. God will care for us. God will protect us. In his providential care, nothing can go against us. He takes that which is evil and turns it to our good. And he calls us to take these steps of faith when we don't see where it's all going to end up, we don't know the details. We don't know the ramifications of what the decision is going to mean. Where is this going to take us? We would much rather have a fluorescent light that lights up everything and we can see rather than just a little pencil flashlight God gives us to show us just as much as we need to know. Maybe God's calling you to take a new direction, a new job, a new situation of ministry, whatever it might be. And you say, I don't know what that's going to mean. I don't know how that works out. What's going to happen to my family if I do this and this and this? What's going to happen to my finances if I make that decision? 
God calls us to just trust and obey. Isn't that what the children sing in Sunday school? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy. Thirdly, faith is giving when I don't want to lose it. So look at verses 17 to 19. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And this this story of Abraham, uh, as it's explained here in, in Hebrews 11, isn't clear about exactly what was going on. But you remember the story from Genesis, how Abraham waited years and years and years praying and hoping that God's promise would be true, that they would have a son. And God had said there would be a son and he would be the uh, his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the sea and the stars in the night. And so they waited and waited and waited. And then they were elderly and gave up waiting. And Sarah laughed at the idea that they could have a child. It seemed impossible. And finally God gave them the son of promise. And that son that they'd waited decades for, God says, sacrifice him. How is he going to be the how is he going to be the descendant through which all the nations of the earth can be blessed if they kill him? And God said, I want you to take Isaac and sacrifice him. I want you to give him to me. I mean, you need to understand that God never really intended that it would go all the way. God, if you read the Old Testament, is very clearly opposed to child sacrifice which was common in the ancient world, but God never condoned it for his people. He just wanted to test Abraham's faith, to look into his heart and see, do you trust me? And the point here is not about whether God wanted to take the life of this child. The point is all about Abraham's response. Notice what he did. He thought about it, and he said, you know, God could raise the dead, so this is not a problem. And what, a, what an act of faith. Because if, Abra, if Isaac was going to be the son through whom all the nations would be blessed, if Abraham would give him up, how is this going to work? And yet he believes somehow God is going to accomplish his purpose. You know, the point is you cannot outgive God. When you give obediently and faithfully, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Faith is giving when you don't want to lose it. And the fourth dimension of faith is persevering even when I don't feel like it. In verse 24 and following, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as, we're unto Moses now, not Abraham, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. 
He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. When you think about all that Moses went through, the dangers he faced, the threat to his life, the fact that he was Israelite and he was in Egypt, the fact that he had killed a man, the fact that he was not loved by many around him, all the difficulties, all the pressures he lived with. I'm sure many times he said to himself, I'm out of here. I don't need this. How do I break this contract? How do I unsign up for this assignment? And yet he kept going. How many times have you been tempted to just give up on something that you know God wants you to do? Some faithfulness, some vow, some commitment, some responsibility. And you say, I'm out of here. I've had it with this. I can't do this anymore. And God gives you the strength to persevere. Moses persevered because, and this is so amazing, he saw him who is invisible. He saw what was invisible. Back to verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Moses saw the reality of God. He got it. He understood. He recognized God had called him to this task. God wanted him to do this. And God is the almighty sovereign who can accomplish anything. As Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's what faith is. Persevering even when I don't feel like it. Taking care of those kids when you just don't feel like it. Loving your neighbor when they're really hard to love. Working through a marriage conflict that you just want to quit. Persevering when you don't feel like it. There are so many times, so many temptations, so many factors that could pull us away. And I think this is a great reminder for us as a church, too, because this church continues to grow by God's grace and with good leadership. God is, I think God recognizes this is a place where I want my lost children to be. The churches that are in disunity, why would God bring people there? Why would he want his lost children in a place like that? But as it grows, the demands grow. The ministry opportunities grow. There's more for everybody to do. There's more ministry needed. There's more discipling needed. There's more teaching needed. And we start to feel kind of stressed out and tired. Faith is persevering, even when I don't feel like it. And lastly, faith is thanking God, even before I receive it. The best example is here in verse 30, where it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. I mean, that brief reference there in the Old Testament to that story of of, uh, Jericho, it'd be kind of easy to breeze through that when you read it here in Hebrews 11, but if you go back to Joshua chapter 6 and and see what really happened there, 
It's not that they marched around the city and then the shout of their voice, there were so many sound waves that it caused the walls to collapse. They shouted victory before the walls fell. They saw that they had received what God had promised and thanked him for it before it had happened. And the only way they were able to take the city is to do what God had said. And he had told them, walk around it six times, uh, seven days, and on the seventh day, go around seven times. You know, when I was a kid, I used to picture this like the story of the three little pigs. You know, they huffed and they puffed and they blew the walls down. As if it was the, the, the breath and the power of all these people's airwaves shot at the walls. And, and that, the vibration of that is what made it fall down. But it's not that. The people shouted, victory. And as that act of faith, God caused their faith to be rewarded and the walls fell and they conquered the city. I mean, that's the attitude of faith that God wants all of us to have. He wants to to pray, not in a way that we're begging him for stuff and thinking he's unwilling to give it. Prayer is not about going to God like a little kid and grabbing his pant leg and saying, please, please, pretty please, can I have this? It's thanking him before he gives it, trusting he will. Now, maybe you think that's a little over the top, but in Mark 11, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see, if we thank God after the fact, that's gratitude and that's appropriate. Anyone can be grateful, though. It's not that hard to be grateful when you receive a great gift. But if we thank God before we receive it, that's faith. So what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to trust God? In essence, I would put it this way. Faith means for us to follow God's lead even when we don't understand all the ramifications. It means believing even when I don't see it. It means obeying when I don't fully understand it. It means giving when I don't want to lose it. It means persevering even when I don't feel like it. It means thanking even before I receive it. That's the faith of going but not knowing for a new year of following Jesus. Please pray with me. Father, there's no no way that we can generate or crank up our faith. There's no way that we can create it or invent it or build it. It is your gift. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us greater faith, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would enable us to be people of faith, that we would trust you when there are doubts, when there are fears, when there's uncertainty, when we have to wait too long, when life just seems hard and you seem so distant. Father, I pray for each person in this room today that you would draw near to us and speak deeply into our hearts and minds your gracious love, that we may trust you, 
and know that you love us. Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who comforts us and encourages us. Make us your people, faithfully following each and every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.